The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Harris! Ah! You woke me up. Wait a minute, man. Hey, Matt Walvin, how's it going, young man? Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty good. Though I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to get you, looking younger. Probably not. I don't really you, give a fuck about. You look that. less awake than I feel. Yeah, I don't feel very awake, and I feel pretty awake. So that, that's an indictment on me. But how about Trey Lance? You know, to the Cowboys, feeling that. Uh, feeling it, uh, well, fuck it, because it's going to be a bunch of work, because it's going to be an endless controversy as soon as Dak Prescott's contract comes up, which, you know, is already a point of discussion that Jerry Jones is saying is not a factor, but clearly it will become a factor at some point, whether it's a factor or not. So, uh, look, I mean, <laughs> you know, the... the uh, I almost want to say kudos to the 49ers for owning up their mistake and moving on. But also, what a fucked up mistake that was. I mean, you know, just, just, I mean, that's a devastating mistake to an organization that seems to have a lot of these misfires on draft picks that uh, Trey Sermon would be another one. Or, I mean, not that it was a huge amount of capital expended, but they get Elijah Mitchell much later in that draft, who was a player clearly many people on that staff preferred to Trey Sermon and was a better fit. So, just seems like the scouting and the coaching is at odds. I'll say this though: I mean, if 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 they put that draft capital into Trey Lance, everybody had to sign off on it, whether they were happy about signing off on it or not. They all had to. Everybody had to be on a similar page. So, um, I don't know. I, I have no idea what Trey Lance is. I don't know that anybody does. Uh, I can say that of other players who are going to get opportunities at some point, he might. But until he does. Uh, he, fuck him. I, he's he's off my radar. I'll do respect to Trey Lance, uh, you know, until there's a, a contract issue. I think he will be more a uh, a foil for news and uh, and discussion than he is a factor on the field. Yeah, 2025 is when you probably want to start to consider whether or not we, we're going to really consider that question um, for Dynasty. So if you, if you have a deep league, deep spot, multiple years for a practice squad, you know, maybe so. But right now, no, you can say fuck it with him. I'll just say this um, to, to what you talked about with uh, the coaching and the coaching staff and the and the scouts or the GM scouts and coaching staff because it's really a triangle. Um, yes. And, and in that realm, I would say this. <clears throat> I remember a day when a certain team drafted Robert Griffin in the first round and then went turned right around and pick Kirk Cousins later, and they it was very clearly stated that that was a Mike Shanahan selection. And then two years later, they uh, they they used Shanahan. They I mean Shanahan used Griffin in a way that prompted me to write the de denigration of a first round draft pick, um, and show schematically how they pretty much screwed Robert Griffin. And then when he, his ass got fired. He he basically complained about what Daniel Jones put Robert Griffin up to. to Daniel Snyder, yeah, Daniel Snyder did, yeah, to put Robert Griffin up to you know asking Shanahan about you know working with him in the off season to make him more of a pocket quarterback, and that he wanted input in the offense. Where Shanahan did the whole, 
But, you know, nobody asked that. This poor kid, he didn't know. This got put up to him when I promptly asked scouts. They're like, no, 90% of the league has always allowed their young quarterback input. So, you, you know, I know that the father, the sins of the father may not be the sins <laughs> of the son. But I would say in this case, the apple, I don't think, falls far from the tree. And I would not be shocked if we find out in several years that... uh that Lynch and, and Shanahan were at loggerheads a lot with their picks. I, I like that. I'm also feeling the low-key uh, throwing 15-year-old Danny Dimes under the bus there uh, by bringing him into the conversation. <laughs> it's sub- That was the subconscious. That's like the whole Freudian, like, you know, when you're supposed to – when someone asks you – you know, you're supposed to say, please pass the butter. And Robin Williams said that, <laughs> you know, a good example of Freudian slip is please, instead of saying, please pass the butter, you say, you fucking bitch, you ruined my life. <laughs> <You know? Yes. laughs> or asshole or whoever it is, you know. But um, anyway, Jaden Reed's role as a slot receiver who can play multiple roles. Does <clears throat> this make him more appealing in redrafts as a rookie? Nah, fuck that. Does not make him more appealing. He's a little too far down the tree for me. I'm looking for paths to workload. Maybe, maybe he has one. There are other pieces there that are obviously of greater interest. And, uh, and but, but like, I'm not totally dismissive of, of anybody in this offense. Uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to spring some players on you that are breakout candidates uh, here later. But I'll spring one on you now. Jordan Love, feel him as a breakout candidate. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I'm, Sorry. I'm feeling the idea of that just because he said multiple years to to kind of watch and, and put things <clears throat> together and i actually think that that may be a good thing for a player like him um you know but at the same time i'll say this i i still probably i know a lot of people want luke musgrave to be a thing this year right away he and looks I, thingish to me he does have some you know he's got that speed he's got that size and i think that he can be helpful but i i think the idea that he's a top 10 player yeah, as a better bargain than say a, a, you know, a Dalton Kincaid. I'll just say this. I'll, I, I, I'll, I'll put this publicly. I looked at Matthew Barry's newsletter this morning, and I saw, and I believe probably it was Dwayne who wrote the newsletter, and and he wrote about Dalton Kincaid is probably not as good of a bet to be top ten tight end as as Musgrave. So I I actually wrote Dwayne and challenged and actually issued a bet over dinner. Um, saying, uh, you know, if Kincaid's a top 10 tight end, he owes me dinner. If, uh, if he's not, I owe him dinner. Um, well, I, I'm going to cash in on that dinner if you win, because I'm just going to take over because I'm closer to him than you are. <laughs> I don't know. I may just, it may just behoove me to drive out there or fly out there, you know, at some point. So, <clears throat> fair uh, enough. So, but, so but, we'll but for me, but I'll just say, you know, Musgrave has not much been on my radar. I've maybe have a few best ball shares. Certainly not in redraft. And the same with Reed and redraft in best ball. There are some shares of Reed because I do believe Jordan Love has shown indicatia, as the academics would say, of uh, potentially being a breakout candidate. Yeah, and, and and the reason I like Reed maybe a little bit more as a late-round pick than others is that I think he can <clears throat> play those multiple roles, and he's going to sure. see a lot of underneath opportunities if this team does falter some. And I think Reed will be good enough for fantasy, but maybe for reality, that's going to be another year of adjustment, and he's going to be playing a lot from behind. I think there's going to be a lot of garbage games, and Jaden Reed is going to be a sanitation engineer, a special. <laughs> um, so, so we shall see. Tyquan Thornton, he's likely beginning his time on IR. Damn it! All right, who are you feeling more to replace him, Bourne <clears throat> or Butte? 
uh, born. Uh, because rookies in New England, that's that's pretty <laughs> much it. <clears throat> they they, but I mean, I've heard good things about Boutte, but I've also heard really good things about Bourne. Some of it from Bill Belichick, <clears throat> who isn't going out of his way to dole out compliments and and has doled out some on Bourne, who, who seems to be on. You know, maybe the change of coordinators there or change to a coordinator would be a more accurate way to put it. Has uh, is going to serve a lot of people well, and maybe Bourne is one of them. Maybe Boutte too. I, I I will say Boutte has been you know kind of early mixed words, but it seems to have trended more positive there as well. So uh, I'll lean board on this one just for the fact that he's a veteran. Fuck it, Bob. I agree with you, you know? <laughs> and I think that's the I think that's the thing, is that he's also more of an outside <clears throat> receiver, whereas Butte's probably best yeah. on the inside. So Bourne can do both. Butte can do a little bit of both, but to replace Thornton, the big play guy, yeah, Bourne's probably it. So staying in New England, kind of, and taking the train further west, Pierre, you know, Pierre Thomas got sent on that train Pierre to Cleveland. Strong. Yeah, Pierre Strong, excuse me, Pierre Thomas. Man, only if Pierre Strong him. was Pierre Thomas, <laughs> I would say. If Pierre, if Pierre Strong was Pierre Thomas with speed, look out. But should Jerome Ford GMs be worried about Strong's presence in Cleveland? They should be worried about Ford's hamstring. Um, <laughs> I mean, that. Yeah. assuming the hamstring is fine, no, they should not be worried about that. Although, uh, you know, Strong is a little bit of little bit of a different piece right so so maybe they're you know i mean we're always worried about who someone coming in and being the receiving threat to you know the kareem hunt like threat here and drone ford wasn't that where have high hopes for uh, nick chubb having more of a, a more robust role than he has which has been pretty robust by the way remember that crazy guy who like back in the rookie year of nick chubb said he would be better than saquon barkley i'm not sure who that was but i just I just like RB3s better than RB1s, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, but anyway. <laughs> Shout so, out to my friend Greg. All right. So interesting interesting uh, thought here, though. And you know, talk to Steve King, uh, who covers the Browns Daily, has for many years now with the Browns Daily Dose. Um, he thinks he thinks that, you know, everybody else is a distant distant second to Chubb right now. And so I'm going to view it as that. And, and Ford more of a handcuff type than a, in a compliment type and maybe strong can be a little bit of compliment. One other thing about what Steve King said to me, because I think people want to hear this, uh, asked him this and pressed him on it. He said, this offense is going to run through three players. And you know, that's no surprise. It's three players. It's Deshaun Watson. It's Nick Chubb and it's Elijah Moore. Not, not Amari Cooper. No, Elijah Moore. He said, they're scheming up. They're going to use him in a variety of ways. Amari Cooper is still the wide receiver. One is still going to be very good. But he's not going to be, you know, they're they're going out of their way to make Elijah Moore uh, a vital piece of this offense. So I thought that was interesting. That's cool, and I'm hoping, you know, usually when we estimate things like that, I I'm I I think the way you should be drafting these days is you should be placing your bet the offense is going to be placed around Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb. Um, yeah. I think we're looking at this is if you're thinking about players who may have rookie level, you know, or excuse me, record breaking potential for their season not just rb1 or qb1 i think mahomes and chubb are the two guys that you should be looking at and saying they have a shot to break a record this year in terms of i think people are starting to draft chubb like that just in the recent drafts that i've been in yeah so all right yeah i'm feeling i'm feeling jerome's ford hamstring is probably the the issue more than whether it's pierre strong and i wouldn't be surprised if pierre strong is used very much only on like toss plays outside runs and maybe a screen play here and there um he needs to show a little bit more and if he had he probably they probably wouldn't have been looking for a replacement to him like they were this offseason in, in new england 
Michael Wilson, another rookie. So is he going to – they say he's going to be part of four receiver sets. Does that make him draftable to you? I want to feel this so bad. But most likely this is a fuck it just given the overall offense and all. I do think a dynasty Michael Wilson is a piece. Like, you know, when you're looking at a receiving core and one of these pieces is not like the other, uh, sometimes I think that's worth noting and he is not like the others. Yeah, I think he's a good waiver wire Rolodex player or if you've – you know, you like taking chances after the 15th round that Michael Wilson should be on your radar as one of those guys you consider post 15th round as, you know, whether it's going to be Reed or Wilson, um, somebody like that, or, you know, Sean Tucker, who we may talk about a little bit later. Those are some guys that are, that are worthwhile to consider. Um, but yeah, otherwise much more a dynasty prospect at this point, because we've got to remember too, that Preseason for wide receivers, a lot of things that people get hyped up about are the nice catches or he's working with the first team or winning on two-way go routes that are actually like weighed significantly in favor of the wide receiver. As the season begins, the things that people start to miss, and I'm people I'm saying like beat reporters and, and, and fantasy folks of, of our ilk is that you know those route adjustments between quarterback and wide receiver like think of romeo dubs making a play every day in the season preseason and then late in the preseason aaron Rodgers is like if these rookies don't get on the same page with me with adjustments pre post snap they're not going to get a lot of playing time and then dubs you kind of see he was very much schemed up to where it's like little throw outs things like that not a lot of one-on-ones were you know, Rogers going, I can count on you to run the right route versus the defense we're watching here because, you know, his head swimming, Dubs head's still probably swimming from looking at the defense and going, is that a cover two or is that quarters? Is that man to man or is this a zone or what side of the field is this man to man and end zone? So I'm, I'm looking at Wilson and thinking smart kid, but it might take him a year. Yep. Will <laughs> Levis and Malik Willis. They're in a tight competition for quarterback, too. Are you feeling either player's future as a starter? Not this year, but down the line. I'm, well, first of all, I'm fucking feeling Ryan Tannehill all of a sudden. It's yeah. like, you know, like, um, uh, like maybe, maybe, I mean, Willis has shown progress, right, from rookie to now. I mean, not, not that it was a high bar. He, I mean, he needed to show some progress, but he has. Yeah. And so, and again, uh, sometimes I peruse this thing called the rookie scouting portfolio, and I know one Matt Waldman is not particularly high on Mr. Will Levis, uh, uh, and uh, my shares of Stetson Bennett. Uh, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Right now, well, I'm, uh, well, not playing great, but it's early. Right, it's early, but but at least the path is there. Where the path is not there, I think Willis is certainly an obstacle in the path right now. I, I would I would go Willis then Levis at the moment. Um, but maybe they don't have their quarterback of the future right now. Yeah, me too. I think I, I, I feel like Willis was a better prospect than Levis. Like Willis was a draftable prospect. I didn't think Levis was a draftable prospect in. You um, hate Will based Levis. On my grade. I, I I hate his game right now, but I don't. <laughs> I have nothing personal against Will guy. Levis. You know. <laughs> now Michael Michael Irvin talking about that you should catch balls with your chest. <clears throat> Um, you know, on, on first take, apparently someone sent me a first take, um, piece about that. And, and Richard Sherman was about to have like a conniption fit, you know, listening to Mike, you know, now that might be fun carnival. I'll put it that Mm. way. Um, Josh Jacobs signed his deal. Does it increase his value or are you feeling the heightened potential for injury? Cause he's been gone from training camp. 
feel both, right? I mean, yeah, I, I feel I feel the high. I feel increased value more than I. I let me uh, go ahead and throw this out one more time for the people out there who may be joining in. Um, I'm injury agnostic. I do not fear injuries before they happen, right? I'm just not gonna not gonna draft like that. I look at the top of the just take the first round, uh, you know, based on current ADP, and pretty much everyone on that list has been hurt. I think there's two or three guys who have not. One of them is B. John Robinson because he's never played in the NFL. Another is Justin Jefferson. Beyond that. I think everyone has missed games and everyone's going to miss games. So I don't draft like that. Uh, I do think, you know, that I'm very grateful for my third round Josh Jacobs shares and a couple of fourth round shares that I've gotten while there was this perceived uncertainty, uh, which I, I don't think, you know, I never felt was all that uncertain. I keep saying this, but, you know, the only reason we could say this never happened, that somebody never held out is because Le'Veon Bell made a bad mistake, yeah. and which he acknowledges now, right? <laughs> like, and so never seemed likely that Josh Jacobs was not going to sign. So I've been hammering that value uh, as a value. And I think I'll make out for it. Uh, and is he going to get 340 carries? Probably not. That's a lot of carries. 300 will be just fine. Thank you very much. I'm feeling Josh Jacobs where you can get him with absolute certainty, you know, about, about that, that you should take him there. Now, you know, yeah, possibility gets hurt. I think sure. I would project him for 15 games. Um, you know, and I, I, I'll project a little bit differently than I rank. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, to me, 15 games is good. You <clears throat> right. know, if you're running back playing 15 games, you had a pretty good year. It, let me, let me, let's put it this way, Matt. If, if last year he was a rental car, a one year rental, because they didn't pick up his option that they felt they could run the wheels off, he's now a highly paid one year rental that they certainly are going to want to. I don't think their plans for him go beyond this year, yeah. you know, based on what we saw. Uh, so, and, and maybe they do, but I mean, preserving him, I don't see the point of that. So, no. uh, onward and upward for young Josh Jacobs. And always, volume is the double-edged sword of fantasy football. Uh, we need it to, it's the wellspring of points. That's how we score. Yeah. Also, there's more opportunities to get hurt. That's just how it is. Yeah. You know, that's why you draft a <clears throat> shit ton of running backs during your drafts. That and wide receivers, you know, that's that's one way to go. So, Tark Cohen, speaking of injured guys who hadn't played all year last year and looked like he was still dealing with that um, a rough recovery from an Achilles tear, he says he's fully recovered and he's ready to work out for teams. Are you feeling a comeback? You know, are you looking at are we looking at a Donta Foreman situation or are we looking more at a Mike Mikel Lashore or does it really even matter to you right now until he gets on a roster? Who? No. Yeah, see, there we go. There we go. Answer me. Answer given. Uh, <laughs> uh, wishing the young man well don't have high expectations. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I mean, I, <clears throat> it, you know, can he be a Devin A-chain type of player? Absolutely. <clears throat> you know, a more advanced version of that, really. Or a Deuce Vaughn-esque type of player. Has to be in the right spot and in the right opportunity. Yeah. and. A lot of moving pieces here, not the least of which is his, you know, is he fully recovered? Yeah, this is me saying, this is me with one of those questions that Bob Harris is thinking, why don't you fucking ask that like eight weeks from now when we've had a bunch of injuries and he's actually on a team? Then we'll, oh, then we we'll can look that. back on this moment at that this. point in time. Yeah, yeah. So Sean Tucker, though, he's earning first team reps <clears throat> with Rashad White. Is he draftable? No, but he should be on your short list. He should be on your short list of, uh, 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 he should, he should be on your watch list for free agency. You should look and see, look, I don't, I, 
you know, I'm not a hundred percent sold on Rashad White. I know there are people out there. I have seen them on my Twitter who think he is the best thing since sliced bread, and there are people who believe that he is not. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't have a strong opinion on him. I hope that they, you know, throw him some passes. I don't think his running numbers were all that great. I don't think the offensive line is all that great. I don't know how great this offense is going to be. So I have plenty of questions, but I do see a clear path to workload. Uh, at least initially, and if Sean Tucker cuts into that, you know, like we all know Sean Tucker was really good. College had the heart issue. It seemed to put people off, and, you know, the Buccaneers paid him a lot of money as an undrafted free agent. It's a position where nice things can happen, um, but uh, banking on them to happen as a fantasy manager is probably not a route to sure success. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting if, uh, if, you know, if Rashad White is bred, Bread's kind of like cake. It's just really just a disguised for, version of cake. But, you know, Sean Tucker is maybe a little more like steak, um, you know, True. So, or maybe an elk steak. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm digging Tucker. But again, I'm just we've listed Wilson, Jalen Reed, Jaden Reed and Tucker. They're all that you're, <clears throat> pick, you're picking one of these guys for so, your end of your draft at best. Some we've talked about a little bit here and I talk about a lot is making the shift from best ball mode mindset to redraft mindset. These are best ball plays, right? Yes. To me. And, and and if you're still playing, if you're jumping into your best ball mania fours or whatnot, you know, sure. Keep these guys on your radar as those last round flyers, those dart tosses that might differentiate you a little bit in a large field tournament. But if you're playing in a single fantasy league where, you know They're for your waiver wire Rolodex. Waiver wire really Rolodex. What, this is this is my master plan to get people I know thinking what you're up to. I know what you're waiver up to wire Rolodex so that they can they can be ahead of the game. You know, when somebody goes down or somebody get you know, something happens, they not play well and they go, you know, what was that guy they were talking about? Let's let let's let's see if we can get him a little bit earlier or I can make a strong bid to the hole on that. So Adam Harstead, he targets players with injuries that may cost them the first one to three weeks of the season. That's what he was telling me. Like, you know, he doesn't worry about Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's not worried about, you know, guys that may miss the first three weeks. To me, to him, it's a bargain because the the first three weeks don't really matter. And from from his statistical, you know, mindset of you know odds of winning a championship, the biggest portion of winning a championship is the playoffs and the championship game. So why not get the players who are going to be ready for that? So with that in mind, are you feeling that that explanation of Harstead's that, you know, that it's worthwhile targeting some players, even if you take two or three of them, you know, who are going to be out for the first week or two? You, do you mind the idea of going 0-3 or 1-2 or 0-4 and, and, and working your way out of that? Well, fuck the 0-4 part, but, <laughs> but, but the, 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 the basic premise you know, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like, this is the whole idea. This is how you win a fantasy football is by acquiring players at much cheaper prices than the production they'll deliver. And players like that are ideal candidates to do that. Why? Because they're not going to deliver anything early in the draft. Uh, yet late down the season, they might give you, you know, top end of their position production at bargain prices. And that's the, that's the, you're looking for the right ratio, though, of, uh, you know, like, there's some players like, you know, I think a great example right now is Brees Hall with Dalvin Cook there. Right, so you know, Reese Hall had been going way too early uh, most of the offseason. Yes. Then he then he dropped out. Well, he still only dropped out like fourth round. Well, who am I drafting? Brees Hall in the in the fourth round, knowing that maybe it's off to a slow starter. Dalvin Cook in the sixth or seventh round. I'm going to get Dalvin Cook in the seventh round, sixth round. 
yeah. right? I'm taking the value there and hoping for the best. And like, I think it, you know, worst case scenario, I mean, the, the Jets seem to think they have a championship window here. Uh, they paid Dalvin Cook high-end money to come in there, $7 million, I mean, for a running back, $8 million with incentives. That's good money for a running back at this point in time. Yeah. So, so like a player like Brees Hall, maybe a little less interested in. Javante Williams, maybe a little more, but the price has risen. Uh, you know, so, you know, and before when the price was lower, you know, I didn't have as much clarity as I needed to make the decision, make a good decision, I didn't feel so. But but generally speaking, like Alvin Kamara, I think is a great example right now of a player who you know has a finite three-game absence coming, who's going still at a super reasonable price based on what his upside is when he returns. Yeah, see, for me, when you mentioned those three guys, this is where the feel it or fuck it gets kind of all entangled up here because... To me, Brees Hall is a fuck it situation, mainly because the way that, you know, I'm looking at the statistical of what Adam says, and I agree with that. I'm feeling what he's saying. But when I look at the individual scenario of what his anecdotals, you know, what I've seen anecdotally over 20 years with running backs and other and wide receivers, is do they, are they going to trust how um, th that leg? to play the way that they, they play? And right. I just think that's tough, especially when he said right now, <clears throat> I don't trust my leg to make the cuts that I usually make, and, <laughs> and I'm still feeling pain. Soreness, right? Yeah, right. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like Josh. But also, I mean, but bit. the price kind of the price kind of is the determining factor there, yeah. in, in that he's more expensive yeah. still than than Cook makes it an easy call yeah, for me. That's but some right. of those other ones are dice here. And Cook's Cook was still playing just fine. So yep. if someone like you know Rich, you, I'm not blaming Rich Samini for saying what he said. But, you know, he gives a good example of saying, well, Dalvin Cook's had two down years in a row. Rather, instead of looking at the stats, you might want to look at it in another perspective. Is, is He had a peak year two years ago, and he's had over 1,100 yards the, the past two years right. and has been a strong fantasy player nonetheless. Um, so has he really, you know, one paints a picture that someone could read that and say he's declining and he's not as good as he once was. And the other could be, he wasn't as productive, but he's still very, he's still as good as he's been. And when we talk about production, a good example of that, because I'll take Cook too, is you said Kamara. Listen, Kamara's been averaging less than four yards per carry, what, in the past couple of years, I think? Um, and people love that whole yards per carry thing to the point that they sometimes don't realize how, um, how um, you know, variable that stat really is on production. And now if you look at the offensive line of the, the Saints, it's been bad for the past two years. Last year is due more to injury than the quality of play. This year it's supposed to be good. And right. if you're if you're trusting me on the idea that if the Saints stay healthy and they have thus far, this could be the surprise offense of <clears throat> the of the NFL, really. Um but I think they're gonna win the the NFC South. It's a super winnable handily. league. It, it, it's a super winnable uh, division, yeah. number one. And number two, exactly what you're saying. I think Derek Carr is maybe a little bit underrated commodity there. Yeah. Coming in there, certainly a huge upgrade over what they had. Yeah, and uh, with that O-line being much better, Kamara, to me, don't blame Kamara for the low yards per carry so much. I think he's going to wind up being a player you're going to love to pick you, you know, at the discount you're getting him. So. I'm sorry to interrupt you about that. I just got excited about the Saints. I don't know. I'm thinking beignets probably. That's that's, ah, what, that's what's that's, that's what's going well, on. Well, after I watched Jimmy Graham turn into like back from the future Jimmy Graham last night, I'm like all I'm all into it now. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Graham. I'm, I, I I hope he makes a team. Uh, but uh, yeah. a lot of good pieces there in that offense. 
Uh, and I, I do think that this is a this is a team that probably I want to have investments in across the board, and I do. And most recently, Juwan Johnson, who I've been drafting for three, happily drafting for three years, waiting for him to turn into the thing that uh, I keep thinking he's going to turn into. Just recent chatter with some of the beat writers from there, including Mike Triplett and Catherine Terrell, uh, both you know really keen on him. I think Catherine Terrell wrote this last week that he's like emerging as a car's most reliable weapon. You know, yeah. so that kind of over the middle stuff. So. A lot to like there. There goes my Foster Moreau love, but there you go. Sorry, Foster. That's all right. So Adam Harstead, we already talked about. Let's talk about Josh Dobbs. Speaking of um, rocket scientist type minds, yes. you know, um, I man, I pulled that transition off well because I just yeah, almost, I think you did. honestly, I I'll, I'll tell everybody I just almost repeated the last question. Um, okay, but you know, <clears throat> Dobbs was you know did study aeronautical engineering. He did get traded to Arizona. This is like his fourth team in a few years. Um, is he a name to consider off waivers either late late in the year? You know, as one of those quarterbacks that we oh. should we should look at <laughs> early in the year, or <laughs> likely early in the year. Uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, it seems like Cole McCoy currently the presumptive starter. I know there has been some Clayton Tune chatter, and we'll see. You know, he he does have some mobility. Maybe Josh Dobb has enough of both of those things, quarterbacking ability and mobility to uh, to, to carve out a little role until Kyler Murray comes back. I, I you know, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not advocating, you know, rolling out the Cardinals quarterback uh, to fantasy managers at this point in these festivities, even in like two quarterback leagues and you need a third quarterback. There's enough uncertainty there if you're in a total emergency, the one who's starting at the moment you know, is the one who's starting in the moment. That's great, but but uh, but probably not going to get too excited about any of those pieces. Uh, honestly, not too excited about Kyler Murray either. Yeah, I'm not excited about Murray and Dobbs. While I think this is more of an indictment against Toon being ready be, as a youngster, remember that Dobbs is going to have to learn this offense, and it's not like he's had a whole offseason to do it. So this doesn't look all that enticing. But then again, Dobbs played pretty well in Tennessee after getting ditched by Cleveland, (laughs) and then Cleveland snapped him right back up, and now I'm trading him again. I think – I'm wondering if Cleveland's got a weird strategy. I'm going to see if they they take him again once he gets dumped Mm. in – by the Cardinals, maybe he's like a boomerang. I don't know. Maybe he collect- well, like, you know Drew yeah. Petzing's the offensive coordinator in Arizona. There's some familiarity there. Yeah, true. So, all right, we already talked about the the Saints as a surprise juggernaut of the NFL this year. So feel that a little bit. Yeah, Aaron. You know, Adam and I talked about this, and Adam said, you know, running backs, they tend to, you know, we talk about what's not fair for them right now because they're not getting paid as much due to the market and it used to be different and now they're maybe complaining about it and, and expecting that there's needs to be more but you know back in the day when you and I were growing up you know running backs got huge workloads they were some of them you know guys like Jim Brown were the best athletes on the field and often the biggest and fastest athlete on the field so they were kind of freakishly like had an advantage when you're bigger than your offensive lineman maybe teams looking for the next jim brown or maybe looking for player or an earl campbell or somebody like that they were you know or even eric dickerson they're the guys that had such a huge athletic advantage over the rest that they were worthy of getting paid like that but our you know adam's point was maybe we're looking at these guys wrong and saying 
are they more valuable than guards and centers and those guys are getting paid around the same amount running backs are and those guys have maybe have more demands the counter art you know you know i have some counter arguments to that but i i made the statement and it was kind of a provocative one where i said so are you saying adam that like arby's are kind of the karens of the nfl like you know i'm not saying they're overprivileged white housewives who who think they're still back in pre-segregation day you know or segregation days but you know i'm saying do running backs think that they're still from their hero days where they were considered like you know worthy of the contracts that they were getting and now they're complaining about nothing you know or they're complaining about things that maybe they shouldn't you know what are your thoughts on this are they the karens of the NFL? did i just trigger you bob Harris? i don't even know if like if i like if my name's karen i'm pretty pissed off at all this kid like my karen's aunt off. karen's probably pissed off about it um so so here's here's the thing running backs and you know i mean it, they know what time it is. They know what's going on. And fantasy managers know what's going on. And uh, we can go back and and I'll only go back to like 1999. Orlando Scary. Uh, Mike Anderson in 2000. Did it again in 2005. Dominic Davis in 2003. Nick Goings in 2004. Steve Slayton in 2008. Peyton Hills in 2010. Arian Foster in 2010. Justin Forsett in 2014. C.J. Anderson in 2014. David Johnson in 2015, CJ Anderson again, rolling off the couch literally in 2015, Alex Collins in 2017. We could go more recently, Elijah Mitchell, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, Cordero Patterson, Devin Singletary, Daryl Williams, Jarek McKinnon, Rashad Penny, all backs who weren't necessarily starters who came on to win somebody a fantasy title and to serve their NFL teams well. The problem for running backs is there's a bus leaving the station every five minutes. And it's a different name, but they can do the same things. And I'm sorry that that's how it is, but that is how it is. There is a there's clearly a tier of guys who have who have a combination of talents that make them a little bit unique. But does it make them enough unique to demand the money they are demanding? Uh, given the you know, and like I get their argument too. Their argument is 100% correct. Austin Eckler has way more value to the Chargers' offense than that team's third receiver, who probably makes more than Austin Eckler. Yeah. Right. So I get that, and I get the irritation. But I also understand the reality of the situation. And so, like, uh, you know, I could sit here and advocate for running backs, but uh, I don't think anyone in those 32 boardrooms where these decisions are made gives a fuck what I say. So yeah. they're going to they're gonna be looking at the bottom line, and that's how this is going to be dealt with. Sorry, yeah. running backs. And I would agree. I totally agree with all that. And I don't think, you know, I don't think they're the Karens in the NFL because I don't think they're complaining. I think yes, they're just you dealing do. with a change. No, I don't. You hate but, them. Uh, Yes, I do. I, you know, I hate everybody listening knows I hate running backs, you know, um, but they do take a shit ton of punishment. They do. They do. As, they I get mean, hit more than anybody in the league. It, it is. It's literally 20 car collisions a week, man. And I mean, yeah. uh, you know, and so and, and also like, you know, I think the the you know, the, the length of careers. I mean, it, it's you know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, well, you know, you're going to make a whole bunch of money. Well, they are going to make a whole bunch of money, relatively speaking, compared to you and I, but also not compared to the peers, their peers in the league at other positions. Yeah. And also their positional value is not as long, not long a term of a window. So I understand totally their, you know, their complaint. Yeah, I think we're going to put running backs to bed for this this preseason at this point. I think I've talked this one out, but it's a, those were some great points, Bob Harris. So how about using a no-fly list, you know, in your draft? Do you... Do you cross out players and say, nope, not drafting them. I don't care what their value is. They're not even on my board. Some Every do that. player at the right price. There you go. There you go. I couldn't say that better. Allen Robinson. 
you know, so, they say he's uh, earned a like, slot. They already right. he's learned a slot role with Kenny Pickett, and he's been a leader in the locker room. Are you buying the rebound? It's a trap. Like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know he. I feel like he could rebound, but fuck that deep on that offense right now until I see more. Like the preseason has been very promising, and I'm thoroughly excited about what the possibilities are of Kenny Pickett's really taking a step forward and Deontay Johnson actually starts scoring touchdowns. But I think if you're digging too deep into this offense, you might end up being disappointed. I'm I'm going to stick with the – at wide receiver, I'm going to stick with the Johnson Pickens level and, and leave it at that. And if something arises, uh, Allen Robinson will be available on my waiver wire. Yeah, I'll just say this. Of all the players that I listed here – in a recent draft with a keeper league where I'm I'm in the dirty dozen league where I split the championship last year in an odd historic situation with DLF. Um, I did take Allen Robinson and Jaden Reed in the late rounds as my two kind of high risk reward players. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm buying it for the value that I can so, get. That some are always dump them. Some we're always looking for is previously productive players with a path to regaining some of that previous productivity, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm one of my players this year for the reasons we talked about. Michael Thomas, I think. I'm totally there. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and honestly, his success last year was pretty solid right up until he got hurt. And so he's got to stay healthy, get all that. So does Alan Robinson. So do a lot of these players. But th- this is the this is the profile you're looking for. I mean, if I'm sitting there in, in, in at the tail of a draft, I'll, I'll, you know, I probably have shares of both those guys, Jaden Reed and Allen Robinson. I feel a little more comfortable with the Allen Robinson share because I've seen it before, right? And so, uh, and, and that doesn't mean anything other than I've seen it before, but it does mean something to me. Well, Steve Volk is a big fan of you. He's a fan, he's he's a friend of mine, and he he he's. I'm going to ask on his behalf, um, feel it or fuck it, Bill Frizzell. Hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't want to disappoint anyone. I'll kind of like feel it a little bit. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say fuck it a little bit just because I don't have I don't have many of his stuff. Doesn't mean he's not unbelievable, but I'm just it's just not my it just hasn't been my thing as of late. So <laughs> I, I want to throw a couple breakout oh, candidates yeah. at you. Um, uh, Sam Howell, feel it or fuck it as a breakout. Feel I'm, it or fuck it. I, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the idea with the receivers that he has. I'm feeling the opportunity for him to, you know, if, if breakout is 3,500 yards, uh, you know, not top 12 quarterback, but top 15, top 16, I'm feeling that. B. John Robinson returning first round value. Fuck it. I'm I'm going to say that he's more of a second round guy. Close, but no cigar. Jimmy or Gibbs, third round value feeling that i think that i think i think my work here is done yeah <laughs> I, uh, a couple more just a, a couple more just right. uh quickies uh that I, james cook feel him or fuck him probably i want to say feel it in ppr fuck him and everything else you get one choice here sky Moore, she rice justin ross for this year for this year sky for this year for, for Z- dynasty justin ross Zay Flowers, feel him or fuck him? Feel him. This year. This year, feel him. Marvin Mims Jr. Fuck it. I know Kendra that. Miller. Fuck it. Alec Pierce. Feel it. Hmm. Roshan Johnson. Fuck it. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know it's not a lot. I'm, you know, it's, those were quick, you know, but, uh, but you know, 
we'll see how it goes. I'll pro- I'm probably, you know, one for ten out of those, but we'll find out in about eight weeks, you know, where we're at. <clears throat> well, I can't believe you don't listen to jazz guitars. That's surprising. Oh, I do all the time. I, Pat, okay. Pat, Pat Martino, Pat, Pat Martino, Pat Matheny, oh. feel it. Phil Frizzell I like, but he's a little, he's a little different. Uh, in terms of the stuff that he does, it's just not really as much in the in, in the vein of stuff that I like to listen I'll to. Albie Miola, feel more fucker. Feel him. Okay. Yeah. Stop by yeah. a moment of agreement. Yeah. You know, Montgomery, you know, you know West Montgomery, oh. you know, Jim yeah, Hall, all right. you know. We're going back all, feeling, all right. You know, all right. you know, we're all good. Bill Frizzell's just a little, his stuff's a little different, and uh, it's not bad. I just haven't really gotten into it enough to say feel it. I, you know, so I, I guess I have to default with fuck it. We'll just end on a George Benson moment. Oh, that'll work. Yeah, absolutely. Totally feeling that. All right. All right. Let's go do something. Love you. Bye. Bye.